0: Climate resilience is defined as the capacity of social, economic and ecosystems to cope with a hazardous event or trend or disturbance in the world's existing climate. This is according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's latest 2022 summary document for policymakers. In this podcast, our last in a series on agriculture, we speak to NetBank's Maluta Nechaulu, Senior Manager Agriculture for Client Value Proposition, about climate resilience in our agricultural sector. Now, Maluta, what, in your opinion, are the components of a climate resilient agriculture sector in South Africa?
1: To answer your question, we've got three components that speak to climate resilience. Uh, the first one is sustainable production practices. Second is technology and innovation adoption. And then last but not least is sustainable solutions.
0: Right, so can we dive into sustainable production practices first? What have you seen change locally and even internationally if you want to use some examples over the last couple of years? I'm specifically interested to hear your thoughts on regenerative farming practices.
1: For the longest of time, I think farmers Applied conventional uh, production practices, uh, you know, reaping the soil and and applying tons of fertilizer and and a lot of water without much regard in terms of the resource availability and the impact on the inputs that they are putting into the soil. But over the years, because of, of scarcity of resources and because of pressure, that has been coming from international uh, community and consumers. We've seen a radical shift away from those practices into more sustainable practices that promote sustainable production practices in terms of ecologically friendly practices, Um, using less uh, harmful uh, material into more organic matter that is very much friendly in terms of the soil, in terms of the water, as well as the environment. So the farming has now really changed, but it's also going into that direction. So I'm trying to say that not everyone has moved that way, but we've seen a lot of um, farmers shifting that way because it's no longer about you know, profitability. It's also about being able to be sustainable in achieving those outcomes. And then when it comes to some of the bigger trends, um, it's on production practices that really promote reduction or sequestration of carbon. Like, for example, when it comes to regenerative agriculture or conservation agriculture, that's where you will notice that um, this type of farming, they promote farming such that at any given point in time in a year or in a season, the land is never really left bare. Like if you drive on the N1 towards Bloemfontein um, or even towards um, Limpopo for that matter, you will notice during maybe winter months or even some other months after the farmers is harvested, the lands are just prepared them, waiting for the next season. That, in a sense, it's sort of, while they're doing those preparation and, and clearing the land um, from the previous season, that releases a lot of carbon into the atmosphere and a lot of nutrients are lost as a result because the land is just left there. But when it comes to regenerative agriculture, you'll find that they do intercropping where they have maize, and in between they might have cover crops, or immediately after harvesting, they also make sure that they don't really clear the land, but then they, they allow to be able to plant other crops over that. Whatever that remains on the land, which really promotes in terms of the ecological balance to to make sure that the whatever you know insects and um, things that are living in in the land there's no disruption, water content of the soil remains quite well, and then we see that as they start the new production season, they also save a lot on. Uh, fuel on, on chemicals and all those things, which at the end of the day it helps them in their bottom line. So that, that's more in essence in terms of what uh, conservation or regenerative agriculture is all about.
0: So your colleague John Hudson drove the point home quite strongly about farmers here in South Africa having to do more with less. And how does technology and innovation adoption assist in this regard, also helping to bolster climate resilience?
1: Yeah, I think John did put it well. His statement was around if you think agriculture and technology don't go together, you are quite wrong. And that's what we've seen. In agriculture, for example, you know, gone are the days when, except in a very smallholder type of setup. But when it comes to commercial and even the mega farmers from the use of the tractors, Highly sophisticated piece of machinery, use of, of irrigation systems, use of things like IoT devices, remote sensing, aerial and drone imagery, and all those things, precision farming. Those are very sophisticated technology systems that are being used on farm um, to help the farmer to know what's happening on his or her farm and to be able to make better decisions in terms of where to apply what, based on what data they've received. Um, if it's aerial imagery, you, you are able to spot where the stress in on your farm, where you need attention. Some of those feedback that you are getting is things that you cannot see with your naked eye. So being able to act on that based on that data, I think it, it's quite key because by so doing, you are then able to mitigate against loss of income or you having to act when it's a bit too late, which might mean that you need to apply in more in terms of corrective measures. So that's what technology has done for the sector. It has now become such that it's normal for a farmer to be using these technologies just from their tractor. So if it's a John Deere or Nessie Fugetan or, or case, for example, they can just check from their screen uh, what, while they are working on the land, either planting or, 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 or harvesting, to see what is going on, what is the feedback they're getting from the sensors of that machinery and be able to act upon it or even at that exact moment or after that, be able to sit and say, oh, this is what I managed to harvest on this field as to that field, what are the reasons for that, and then be able to plan accordingly. So that is what technology and innovation adoption has come to uh, when it comes to agriculture.
0: Well, I see that even agriculture can't escape big data, and I guess it, it helps a lot as well to, to understand the weather patterns and to, you know to plan for that. But it doesn't always have to be high tech. There are other sustainable farming interventions that can assist in helping with, you know, certain weather events or weather changes. Can you give me some examples of this?
1: Yeah, most definitely. When you look at, you know, climate change, we're seeing a lot of uh, weather that is quite er- erratic, not easy to predict. And I'm also not you know, not talking about like, uh, for example, like rain. You know, let's talk about things like natural hazards like excess wind or, or 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 hail or um, things like frost, you know, in winter. So these innovations that are out there, for example, um, shade mating or we'll call them hair nets, that farmers, especially that operate in areas where they are very much susceptible to those type of natural hazards, and they are farming with very high type of a cultivars of produce, like in the citrus space, we're talking soft citrus, or in the wine space, or table grape space, or or even macadamia for that matter. They are able to install those solutions, which are also not cheap, to be honest, but they do allow them um, the opportunity to sort of combat or protect their high-value orchards from those natural hazards. Um, they can also increase the performance of those orchards about twenty percent reduce water usage, reduce fertilizer or nitrogen application. So at the end of the day, they help farmers to be able to use those innovations. Almost like insurance, especially when it comes to tree crops. Insurance is very expensive. Most people can afford it and most people don't take it. So they end up using such innovations like shade meating to act as insurance and also to help them to protect those value production and, you know, orchards, um, which if, for example, the other thing that it also helps with is like cross-pollination. If you've got seeded table grapes on the other side adjacent to a seedless one and you've got a contract with like a woodwork or, or checker for the seedless one and and then you need to deliver at the end of that season, if that other seeded one sort of cross pollinate on your seedless one, then it's going to result in you losing the contract, which might ripple into other issues for you in terms of market access, etc. So by having that net, you sort of mitigates that risk of cross-pollination and sunburn or birds eating your crops, etc. So it's a very, very good example of what sustainable solutions are out there, that farmers are adopting and they're seeing value in terms of their operation.
0: So you mentioned climate change and I mean one way of combating climate change is to look at more alternative and renewable energy solutions. But why do you think farmers are turning towards alternative and renewable energy solutions? Is it always a climate change topic or is it sometimes just survival because they can't necessarily count on the electricity all the time? I think
1: it's more around that later. Statement that you just mentioned now is all about an energy source that is reliable. And in South Africa, with the whole instability and unreliability of the grid, for various reasons, it could be load shedding, or it could be cable theft, it could be cable fault, or it could just be vandalism of the system. So if farmers are going to be having a lot of downtime, and farmers that are using electricity to power their irrigation system, to power their um, milking parlors, or to power their um, processing plants, that does have a lot of negative impact in terms of their profitability. It could even result in them having to shed jobs. And so it has come to a point where we've seen a lot of of farmers adopting renewable energy solutions like solar PV, for example, where they will install that to make sure that they mitigate that risk of having to have a downtime because of those other reasons that I've mentioned. So it's true, we've seen that quite a lot. Um, even from NetBank we've seen a lot of requests for funding of renewable energy um, installation by our farmers just to make sure that they are resilient against such risks as load shedding, for example.
0: So climate resilience is a topic that is closely tied to climate change. But even without bringing that into the picture, Southern Africa has, for example, always had high rainfall variability. So even in what we would consider a normal year, farmers would benefit from boosting their climate resilience for the sake of food production and the South African economy. And we have been speaking today to Maluta Nechaulu, Senior Manager Agriculture Client Value Proposition at Nate Bank.